Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, say hello. Hello. Today's topic is actually a question, why are you standing? And Amy, I'll pose the question to you. Why is this topic or question that we're asking today, why is this so important? Um, Well, I think we wanted to address this because we have had quite a few people ask us this question. Um, And so I I do think it's an important one. Um, And just like anything, whenever you are standing for something, it's very important that you have a strong foundation in which you're standing or what you're standing for. You're not just standing for the sake of standing. Correct. Yeah, you you want it to be based uh, on something, and that's something for you and for many standers, we hope, is based in Scripture. And there's some type of biblical foundation in which they're standing, not just standing for the sake of standing. Let's actually go to Scripture right now in Romans 5, 1 through 5. We read, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So just in this passage alone, we know that there is a time and a place for standing. Right. Right. And that there are fruits or benefits to standing, even though it might not be something that uh, is a joyful experience at at certain times. We know that it does instill things in us. Uh, Specifically, what are some things that we can look at there. Look in verse 3. What does it say there? It says not only do we rejoice in our sufferings, but what does the suffering, what does it produce? It produces endurance. Right. And I, mean, I think that that is what is so important in any trial, not just a stand, but any trial that you're going through in life. Um, I think it's important to reflect on what God is trying to teach you in those moments and what God is doing according to scripture is he is producing character he is trying to build our character so that we become more like him and that we look more like him as image bearers of god see he is essentially strengthening and refining us during this trial and during the suffering exactly that's that's the whole point to build us up and to strengthen us in our faith all right so uh, as we get into some of our questions today, we'll start here with the first one uh, and how we're going to approach this topic or question today, why are you standing? We're going to approach it from both the prodigal and the standard's point of view. So I'll be asking Amy some questions here. 
uh, and she'll be some, directing some questions as well to me. Uh, starting off, Amy, from the prodigal's point of view, what did standing look like and how were these actions interpreted at the time? So in other words, you're looking at me as I was standing, <laughs> right? Give me your perspective. Okay, well, from the very beginning, I mean, Tommy had always made it very clear that he was going to stand for our marriage. I never doubted that. He never faltered. Um, he never gave me the impression that he was not going to stand for our marriage. So I think that that was important. How how was how was that communicated? I mean, did <laughs> did I just come out and say, "Oh, I'm I'm just going to stand"? <laughs> no, I mean it wasn't communicated necessarily. Like was that. it accompanied with action? It and was what accompanied did that look like? by action. I know one of the the visual actions that Tommy took, and we get asked this often, is that he kept his wedding ring on. Um, and I did not. I made a very clear point of taking mine off and telling him that we were no longer, um, I never, I, I didn't want to be associated with him. So why, I took why, my ring off. why did you do that? What did the ring represent for you? The ring to me represented, um, you know, in my mind, this wasn't reality, but in my mind at the time, entrapment. I felt like I was attached to him and no longer wanted to be represented as a oneness because I felt like there was never a oneness in our marriage. And so I took my wedding ring off. However, Tommy kept his on. I think at one point I asked you uh, and you said to me that you viewed the wedding ring as a symbol of oppression. Yeah, I Do you remember that. Oh, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure that those were exact words verbatim. So and I remember thinking, wow, that's a really backwards, <laughs> unbiblical view. Yes, it was. The... Um, but again, I mean, at the time, like I really felt like that was keeping me, you know, I was I was entrapped or. Uh, well, I, I don't think you wanted that constant reminder. No, that we were. Uh, brought together by the Lord, and there were vows made, and this was placed on your finger, and you made a covenant, not only before God, but we we had that together in the ceremony, and so we we had those vows, and to have to look down at your hand and see that constant reminder right. from the prodigal, I don't want to be reminded. No, of this. I did not want to be reminded, um, and I certainly did not want you to wear <laughs> your wedding ring. You did not like it at all, I and didn't I like I, I sensed that, and that was. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it intentionally to anger you. No, I. I although know I knew that. it did anger you, <laughs> but I, really, where the Lord had me was, uh, I, I was to do it regardless of how it made you feel. Well, and I felt in the beginning it was an annoyance, mm -hmm. um, and that's really kind of overall in general how I felt by you standing, not just from the wedding ring standpoint but in general in the very beginning of your stand it was just an annoyance um, I felt like that you were never going to leave me alone per se and by leaving me alone it's not like you were doing anything to intentionally um, aggravate me or upset me it was just like he's never going to give up he, he's always going to be here no matter what and that's kind of how I felt when you were the wedding ring but in the in the end and as god 
changed my heart, I realized over time with your persistence and with your continual stand for our marriage that it was no longer an annoyance. And in fact, it was, it it turned into an understanding that you were pursuing me. You were pursuing my heart. You were pursuing a a godliness um, in your stand. And I came to understand that later. And one thing that I'm very happy about is that you did never take your wedding ring off because that made me realize long-term that you truly wanted us to be in a covenant relationship together. You wanted the oneness that I felt like we never had um, in the 10 years of marriage. Um, And as my heart changed, I realized that this, it was very good. All of the symbolism that annoyed me in the beginning later came, um, you know, to an, I, I later came to an understanding of what exactly it was that you were doing. Yes, your heart was transformed. Yes. You gained a new perspective, perspective and mm-hmm. appreciation of what was actually being done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, a, a true appreciation for what you were doing and how you represented yourself, um, you know, with the symbolism like the ring. Well, it became the symbol, which was there for me, it was of commitment and long-suffering. Yes. Uh, Regardless of of how I treated you, regardless of, you know, the circumstances, yes, it became a symbol of long-suffering. And that became something that eventually, as the Lord changed and transformed your heart, those became appealing attributes that oh, you yes. cherished as <laughs> yes. opposed to At being annoyed, being annoyed by, by them. Yes, yeah. yes. I, yeah. I truly cherish the fact that you never took off your ring um, because that later, you know, showed me he truly is committed. Um, and again, in the beginning, it was like, well, he's just doing this, you know, and hopes to win me back. And when I realized that you were no longer doing it, you know, a year and a half later, you weren't well, just yeah, doing even, it. Even after the divorce. <laughs> yeah, after through, the divorce. I was still re- wearing it. Yes, you were still wearing it. So at that point, there was no longer a, oh, I guess he's doing it to annoy me. Or he's doing it just to make a stand and just to show me, you know, this is what he's going to do in hopes of winning me back. It was no longer about winning me back. It was an understanding that, no, he's truly committed to me. He's truly committed to our covenant before the Lord. Well, you know, it was recommended to me that I not wear it. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I did not heed that particular And I'm glad you counsel. did not. Yeah. 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 Uh, <clears throat> Well, for me, from my point of view there, um, one of the reasons was that it was a constant reminder to me. You know, uh, it, it, during the time when you're separated or even divorced and you're not physically present when, with your spouse, there, there are periods of loneliness. Uh, there are temptations that are out there, things that would cause you to maybe get off the, the path and maybe long for something else, companionship, that, mm-hmm. that sort of things, that sort of thing rather. And uh, for me, it was uh, it was something to help uh, 
keep me focused on the task at hand. I am in this situation in this stand for a reason, that is to give glory to God, and let that ring always be a constant reminder to me to stay on the straight and narrow. It was out of a sense of duty um, that I continued to stand. It's like, no, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. This is the commitment I made to Him. And so it was it was not negotiable. Right. And I think, all. I think that's so important because I know, at least with the people that I speak with, and I'm sure you know those that you speak with as well, people tend to want to have a plan B. They want to have a backup plan, and they start thinking about all of the things that they need to be doing to prepare. And, you know, they, they do establish a plan B. And I knew without a doubt you had no plan B. Your plan A was to pursue me regardless of what I said or did. And I knew that there was not a plan B. No, even even when I moved out of the house and into an apartment, the, the things that I was buying, purchasing <laughs> to put in the apartment, which if it, were, if, it were, if it were up to me at the time, we would have all just been sleeping on the floor. <laughs> I didn't want to put anything in the apartment. I, there, there came a time where I realized, well, if the boys are coming over, I want to try to make it a little more comfortable uh, for them. But when we did, when I did get furniture, which now is is in our home, and I was actually point, prompting you, yeah, like I even well got for, the beds right, for you, right? For you, you're like, well, you need to get all these things because you're you're going to be staying over there, yeah, for the yeah. rest of your life, and. Actually, when when we got the uh, the couch and the um, the coffee table, those sort of things, I actually had in the back of my mind, I'm picking something out for our home now, right? Because I knew this would be eventually where it would end up. And in fact, you even called me, which I thought, this is so weird. Can't you pick out your own furniture? But Tommy called me as he was in the furniture store asking my opinion on the furniture he was buying. And oh, well, you know, I, I didn't mention, <laughs> you know, because this is going to come and this is going to go in our house. When we're, right. No, you didn't Our marriage mention is that. restored. And so in the beginning, I thought, wow, he really can't even make decisions on what kind of furniture to pick out. But yeah. I mean, as time progressed, I realized, oh, he was asking my opinion. Plus, I truly... I enjoyed the fact that you were asking my opinion because it meant that you valued what I had to say. Well, uh, that leads us into our next question here, and that is, uh, this is something we can both discuss. What is at stake when a stander takes the position of not walking away from the marriage? All right, so you think about the reasons for standing, Mm -hmm. and if... If the standard falters in their stand, what are some things that are going to at potentially risk. be right. at risk? Um, I would I would say the number one thing, and I also would like to address. I know we have some followers that um, their spouse is you know a, a non-believer, um, so I'd like to address. I address it the same way, regardless if they're a believer or a non-believer. Um, I think it's really important to. Think about uh, the verse. I'm trying to think. I'll I'll grab it. Okay. Um, but the verse that talks about how that you know you don't know whether you 
play a role in helping bring your spouse. James 5, 519, my brothers, if, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude yes. of sins. Yes. So, you know, you in your stand may be the only person praying on behalf of your spouse. You may be the only one that they see um, setting an example or modeling Christian behavior. Um, and, you know, that is so, so important. And, you know, I don't think that we should take that lightly. I, I think that that should be the main focus to, you know, you may be the only one standing um, in the gap for them and to bring about, help bring them to repentance before the Lord. I think that that is so important. And I, I'm reminded of, you know, a blog entry um, just, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's the verse from Second Timothy 2. And I believe it is verse 24 through 26. And it talks about how God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so I think bringing them, you know, helping them come to the knowledge of truth is so, so important in one stance. Well, I think we have to have a perspective that goes beyond the temporal and what we can see in the immediate. Absolutely. Right? So your perspective needs to be one of all of eternity. Yeah, kingdom You're goals. You're fighting for the, uh, the eternal destination of your spouse's soul. Right. Right? Absolutely. And, uh, when you look at the two options, either this person will be in heaven or he'll be spending an eternity in hell. I think that can help to uh, strengthen our focus <laughs> Ab- and perspective. Absolutely. That look, no, th- there is something very serious at stake here. Right. Um, also, I think, you know, I'd love to know your opinion. Um, I know f- for a fact you became very close with our boys during that time. So maybe you could speak to that as well. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know the entire story, for 10 years of marriage, I was, I was not a very godly uh, father and husband. Um, I would display a lot of anger in the home. My children were oftentimes scared. There would be moments when uh, we would be wrestling and playing. And I, I do remember there were some good times yeah, with the children. Uh, but as a whole, I was failing uh, miserably on a multitude of levels. And uh, when the Lord shook me up and um, brought this into my life for my own benefit, so as to draw me closer to Himself, I realized all the things that had crept into my life that was preventing me not only from being a good and godly husband, but also a good and godly father. And as I saw this whole thing unfold, I, I saw the sadness in my children, the way it was being the way it was affecting their lives, their emotions. And, you know, I, I thought about my children, and then I, I started 
thinking about the the children that I as being in education I saw uh, children from all different walks of life and I would reflect on uh, children that I would have coming into my, or, or my class that would have severe behavior issues, emotional problems, and you know it occurred to me that so much of this stemmed from uh, the calamity mm-hmm. and uh, dysfunction that was in their own homes. Would you say a lot of them lacked a, a father figure oh, or a ab- strong a- father a- absolutely. figure? Absolutely. Yeah. They did. I saw this was for whatever reason, and I didn't know all the details all the time, but I knew somebody dropped the ball. Right. And uh, I know who whose responsibility it is uh, for raising a godly family. I mean, it falls on the husband, okay? The wife, of course, has the role as well. Um, but I think a but lot as of... the leader, that falls yes. on us as, as a leader. And so uh, I did not want uh, our children to be put at risk and to grow up mm-hmm. in a household uh, that was split and separated by divorce. And I did not want them growing up to think that this was okay. Well, mommy and daddy did it, and well, it can't be all that bad. You know, we we grew up, and I guess we turned out okay. I didn't want it to be in their minds something that was acceptable, that God would uh, tolerate. Yes, these things, they happen, but, you know, and I always hear that excuse. Well, sometimes divorce, it, it, it just happens. Well, you know what? It happens because people choose for it to happen. All right. right. We, we go along with it. And um, for whatever reason. And so I, like I said, I, I did not want to um, have divorce be something that the boys viewed as acceptable. Well, and also, I don't think that that really would demonstrate. I mean, clearly that doesn't demonstrate it, it, godliness. It, it, it undermines the whole message of Christianity. Right. right. It's like how... How strong really is your faith, or how, do you really even believe what the Bible says? Right. You know, when it comes to a faith, hope, love, forgiveness—all these things that are that Jesus modeled throughout His entire ministry—and yet, mommy, who you uh, made a vow before, before the Lord, you can't get along with her and honor your commitments. Then your faith is just—I never wanted them to think that my faith was meaningless. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so I think you would say for the sake of the kingdom, for your children, and also generations beyond just our children, um, there you don't want want there to be a breakdown. I didn't want to set a precedent. Right. Right. Yes. That would be uh, duplicated when they grew up. Right. You know, and and, and to see a, a pattern that... Uh, existed throughout generations of broken homes and families. Right. I knew what it was doing emotionally to myself. I wasn't aware because you were putting up a pretty good front of how it was tearing you up, <laughs> right. even though you were pursuing it. Right. But we both saw how it was having an impact on the boys. Oh, yes, absolutely. Even in, in times where I was very passive in my understanding of what was happening, I did know that it was absolutely affecting uh, our children. So, you know, I think if you have children, um, realizing that their future and the testimony, you know, of, of, of our lives together as a marriage or as a husband and wife, it doesn't just affect us, it affects them as well. Right. 
Next question, what should the primary goal of the person standing for their marriage be? The primary goal should and, not... Oh, I, I was going to say, you may want to lead into what uh, might seem to be the goal be, right. Yeah, for some. <laughs> yeah, I think for many standers in the beginning, and I know even for, for you... I think the primary goal was restoration of marriage and for there to be a, you know, reuniting of the husband and wife. But truly... Um, I, before you go any further, I would say that that goal right there is the result of uh, the emotional turmoil at the time. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so that's what drives it, the emotions. Yes. But, uh, you know, over the time, and I do believe that that is the fruit that's born out of um, what what can happen, but truly, I think it needs to be a heart transformation, um, a, a, a dedication to what God's called you to, uh, which is to be in a covenant relationship with your husband. Are you talking about a heart transformation for the stander, or both? Yeah, ab- absolutely. First and foremost, Lord. I'm in this situation now. Change and mold Change me. Change and mold me. Yes. Begin th- in me. Or- right. I think that you have to focus on yourself first. You know, that whole, you know, when you ride on a plane, they always say, you know, put your oxygen mask on first before you help others. So I truly think that you have to ask, God, what is it in me that you want to change? What is it that you're wanting to show me through these trials, how can I change? So I think first and foremost, there needs to be a focus on your heart and make sure that your priorities are in line with God's will. Secondly, I think that your focus needs to be on the prodigal, um, on the spouse that has walked away um, the goal needs to be repentance and, and, and restoration with them and God first. Yeah, uh, I think there is a tendency to put the cart before the horse. And the whole process of standing re- really needs to be a realigned so that, as you said, we start with ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And... Uh, our relationship with the Lord is repaired because in, in many times, and this won't ha- happen all the time, but in my case, I, for years, was the prodigal, okay? And so the Lord had to do a, a great work in my own life uh, to correct many of the behaviors uh, that were just contrary to His Word. And so uh, when this crisis happened in our marriage, yeah, I was consumed with, well, we just got to get back together. <laughs> right. Right? And that's natural. I'm uh, not absolutely. saying that that's, that's wrong. Uh, and that, but should, this, that should be a goal. Absolutely. That should, it shouldn't be at the top of the list. Right. It should not be the end all. Well, if we just get back, everything's going to be fine. Right. Because if you have that mindset, you're, you're looking past the things that you really need to take care of in your own life. Yes. And for me, there was a lot of work that had to be done. And so for our time apart, we're, we're talking, uh, was it from the time I left to the time I 
return home. We're talking around two years, maybe a yeah. little over two years. No, it was around right at about two years. Okay. Uh, and, you you know, you could even make the case that even before I moved out, I had checked out. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Mentally, yes. I, wasn't, I wasn't really there at home. But, uh, so, you know, that took some time for the Lord to do what he was going to do for me. Uh, it took a lot of suffering, mm-hmm. all right, and um, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief. But, you know, during that time, uh, I was growing right. and I was being taught uh, not only how to be a, a better father, a godly father, but how to then be long-suffering with you and patient with you while I waited. And as I was waiting, allowing the Lord to continue to just uh, refine me. Right. Uh, now, how did that refinement come? Well, it came through uh, staying in His Word and faithful church attendance, as well as good, solid biblical counsel. Yes. Yeah. But I think you made such a good point there because if you don't really focus on yourself and what it is that God's trying to teach you and how to live through long suffering and to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God and that be your main goal. If that's not the focus and the focus is, well, if we could just get back together, well, when you come back together with your wife or your husband, it's going to go back to the way that it was and maybe even worse because you haven't learned the lessons that God was trying to teach you. Well, one of the benefits of putting God first is that the restoration that you seek, at least in our case, uh, what was appealing, what would part of what drew you drew you back to me was the work that had been done in my life. Absolutely. And so that was being that was becoming more attractive to you. but oh, it, it absolutely. Was, right. So that was a, a side effect of me being obedient and placing God first. So these desires that you were starting to have for me, I couldn't force you to have those. <laughs> no. But only no. God could do that work. And so um, had, I, had I tried to put the cart before the horse and just get you, if she'll just be attracted to me or see me in this light, no, God has to do that work. Right. Uh, in your own heart. Uh, but the work has to be done in me, and it has to be seen as genuine. It has to be genuine. It has to be genuine. Right. Authentic. Right. And then uh, those those traits and characteristics, uh, those eventually are going to be visible to your prodigal, and they're going to start seeing you in a different light. Yes. And honestly, that is what helped bring me to repentance, is by seeing how godly Tommy was and the manner in which he treated me was so different than how he had acted in the past. And so I knew without a doubt that Tommy was standing for our marriage. Um, But I was just, I'd become second place where I deserved, where I should have been all along because God had become his first place. Um, and his, his first goal in life was to live a, a godly life, um, according, you know, to God's will. And once I saw that in Tommy, 
um, and not as a, well, he's just doing this for, you know, such a such time, you know, for three months, anyone can act this way. And um, when I realized it was no longer an act and that God had truly changed his heart, um, the Holy Spirit was, you know, pricking my heart. And, you know, I realized, okay, I can no longer treat him the way, you know, he, he turned, he helped turned away, turn away my wrath in the way that he spoke to me, his gentleness and his kindness, um, and the way he loved me. I mean, it, it truly was, I, I felt like I was visualizing and seeing exactly how Christ would act if Christ were, you know, here on earth. And, um, so I, I mean, those actions help led, lead me to repentance as well. What can standards do to help cultivate an environment that promotes restoration and a turning back to the truth by their prodigal? In in other words, right now, for somebody who is standing for their marriage, what are some things that we can point to that uh, they can do right now to help their prodigal? Uh, Now, understanding that the work of transformation has to be done by the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Mm-hmm. All right, you can't force a change. No, you can't. Uh, in your in your prodigal, but there are some things that you can do, like we said, to facilitate an environment where uh, that is conducive to, to change. heart change. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I think I just said one of those. And you touched things. on them. Yeah. yeah. I, one of those things, I think. Um, it is very, very easy to get into a heated argument, into a heated discussion, especially when your prodigal is, you know, firing off those, um, those darts, those arrows that are hoping to pierce you. They say just the right thing to get under your skin. And I did that often with Tommy, but in those moments, I think if you can take a step back and just have a quiet spirit, you know, to stop before you speak. Ask God to give you the words that He would have you speak um, before you respond. I think those are very, very important traits to have um, a quietness, really, um, and a gentleness with your spouse, with your prodigal, because. Um, what, what is the verse in James, is it James nine that talks about, um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, Mm -hmm. slow to anger. Mm -hmm. I believe that's the Mm -hmm. correct reference. Um, but that truly does turn away wrath. So if you, you know, return a harsh word that's not going to be conducive to helping your situation. You're going to get into a heated argument and then heated battle, and that's not going to help your cause. That's not going to allow your prodigal to see that God is changing and transforming your heart. I think one of the things that we can do as well is to project a steadfastness, a consistency in our lives. So our emotions aren't all over, over the place, the place. Mm-hmm. topsy-turvy. We have to come to the point where we acknowledge that this storm, whatever we want to call it, 
uh, is being done for a reason. And we need to accept that. And that if we are making a stand, we're, we're standing for the sake of our marriage, for the gospel, for Jesus, that there is going to be suffering and we have to accept that. Yes. Uh, and not run away from it. All right. In, in fact, in Scripture, we're reminded uh, quite often that if we make stands for Jesus, there will be suffering, there will be persecution. There's, there's several scriptures we could point to. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Before I move to verse 4 and 5, I want to say that your prodigals, that is exactly what is happening to them. Uh, especially if you've been in churches, they will not endure sound teaching. What will they do? They will seek to uh, find counsel from people who will advise them to just go ahead and pursue a divorce. It's okay if you leave. You have, you have justifiable reasons to leave your spouse. They have itching ears. Uh, so it, it's like, no, you're not going to go to the truth of the scripture. You're going to find people who say, what you're wanting to hear that will help you justify uh, your leaving the marriage. And verse 4 it says, And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. What was the myth for you? It was, I'm going to be happier. Uh, <laughs> the I'm grass gonna, is what, greener what, what, what on the it? other side. Yeah, dream big. Dream big was my all, big. <laughs> they're all going to come true. Like this, these are all myths. They are myths. And as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then uh, another verse, 2 Timothy 3, 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so when your prodigal is intentionally saying things to hurt you, to cause you to suffer, uh, and you are standing for your marriage, know that you are uh, you are in line with God, and these sort of things are to be expected if you are living the way the Lord wants you to live. So do not be, be surprised. Just accept that uh, heartache and suffering will come, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ who will help uh, sustain and equip you uh, as you endure. Um, and I mean, I think that leads us to a great question what can standers do to help sustain and equip themselves while suffering for the sake of the gospel and the truth? Uh, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Can you imagine praying to the Lord for something like this to happen, for the stoppage of rain or for the return of rain and God hearing, well, he believed in faith that would happen and eventually it came to pass. So God hears our prayers. And so, you know, my advice to the standard is to never stop praying. Pray without ceasing, lifting up your prodigal constantly before the Lord. He hears these prayers. And as we've said before, uh, Prayers come in our time. The answers come in God's time. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, not only praying for your, for your spouse, but also praying that the Lord grants you wisdom and strength 
as you continue to endure. Yeah. I think also, though, one other point that I'd like to make is, and that, and that you, I think that you did very well, is that we are called to live in peace with one another as well. And so that does not mean going head to head with your spouse. Um, you know, most times I was the one that would start the argument, but I would just, um, you know, keep that in mind to live in peace with your spouse and, you know, ask God to speak to you um, times when you should speak, times when you should not speak. And I know often when when Tommy... And that, and that applies also to electronic exchanges as well. Yes. And those are, in a lot of cases, even more difficult because you cannot tell... You can't tell the tone. The, the, the tone or anything <laughs> when some of these things come across. Right. And I do remember when we would exchange messages sometime, sometimes I would have to be very careful about how I word my response. And yes. more times than not, I would not go with my first instinct. <laughs> right. I would ask the Lord at the time, Lord, help me at this point to just be gracious with my response. Give me the words to say yes. that would be honoring and pleasing to you so as to not uh, provoke a an angered response. Right. But and then that is the point is that I did not see you as provoking, but you were peacekeeping and you always did a great job of of trying to you know redirect me back to scripture even if you weren't giving me scripture references by your actions you well, did a lot of it, those it things. It was long suffering yes. and that was something that uh you know, was modeled for us by our Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ. And I did want to just make note uh, earlier, um, James one nineteen. I was thinking of it while we were sitting okay, here. Yeah. James one nineteen is the verse that talks about everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Lord, thank you for this time you've given us today. I pray you would take what has been shared here as well as the truths we have heard from Scripture to penetrate our hearts and transform us into the vessels you'd have us be. For those who are holding on to their marriages, regardless of the condition, I pray that you would align our minds and spirits to seek you first and to have your glory and the advancement of your kingdom to be the primary motivation of our stands. May we never idolize our spouses or elevate ourselves as we stand for our marriages. Lord, help us to acknowledge you in all that we say and do let our suffering, while we wait, bring and draw us closer to you, Father. Help us to remain strong, faithful, and uncompromising when it comes to obeying your word and holding true to our marriage vows. Be with us as we seek to demonstrate love, patience, and long-suffering towards those who, in many cases, have grown hostile to us and to you, Lord. Remind us every day that even in our suffering, you are there with us. May we take joy and comfort in this, Father. As we close, please go with us now and help us all to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at PurposedMarriage.com.
www.standingforyourmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.